This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Small Biz America. The Brain. Our guest on this segment is a nurse practitioner working in an OBGYN practice that's her own. Cindy Kennedy is board certified as a family nurse practitioner and has a Master's of Science degree. And she's currently working on a certification as an essential oil coach. And we're going to ask her what that is to broaden her scope of knowledge and options for enhancing everyone's health overall. But Cindy's in the process of launching an educational Lyme disease podcast series called Living with Lyme, the focus of this episode that will offer information on all levels for those affected by Lyme disease. She suffered from Lyme disease for more than five years herself, undiagnosed for two of those years, and uh, she has a conventional and a non-conventional treatment and is currently working on enhancing her own immune system to keep the Lyme disease in check. Joining us on the line from Cape Cod is Cindy Kennedy. Cindy, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This is an awesome experience. It's great to have you. Uh, you know, in Lyme disease, if we, we, you know, we were talking offline, this is not something that a lot of people know a whole lot about. So I would imagine a, quite a bit of your mission, having experienced this firsthand, is to get the word out about uh, the myths and the realities of treatment and diagnosis, right? Absolutely. The problem being is that there is a, a fear of that. People who are trying to treat don't have very good guidelines. The Center for Disease Control pulled all their guidelines uh, back in February of 16. They're saying, and, and prior to that, they hadn't even been updated for years and years and years. So uh, right now, there's a lot of um, concern because we're finding out more and more about Lyme disease. It is not actually a bacteria. This particular spirochete actually sheds its uh, lining and produces this fungal infection that is all over the body. And once it it migrates, it starts producing symptoms that are not specific from one person to the next. So it's very, very difficult for primary care people, urgent care people, or people in a variety of specialties to say, hmm, I can't be specific about this, but let's think out of the box. And that's what I'm hoping to have happen. 
And Cindy, uh, as a part of that mission, I'm curious from your perspective, since you've been diagnosed, has it gotten better yet? And uh, what are you seeing in terms of improvement in the way this is diagnosed? Well, this season in particular is there is a bumper crop of ticks. And although I am not a practitioner that deals with treating Lyme, I do have people from either friends, friends of family, um, my friends' families, and even some doctors contacting me and say, what do I do? I, I might have an association with these particular symptoms, but I don't know what to do. And the problem being right now is there is not great testing. When I talk to people and they say to me, because they're naive and not because they're not smart, it's just they don't know, they'll say, well, weren't you ever tested for Lyme? And I, I said, yes, I was. The problem being is that you're being tested for one specific Strain. There are hundreds of them, and they don't cross over. And so on a doctor's, you know, list of potential problems, when they get that test back, it's negative, they cross it off. That's, that can't possibly be the problem. So people are uh, diagnosed with fibromyalgia, hmm. and fibromyalgia is actually a symptom of Lyme. It's not, it's a catch-all kind of entity. I call it fibromyalgia. I don't know if that's okay to say, but that's what I Absolutely. talk about. No, we're on the internet. It's fine. And sure. And, you know, there are other things that happen and there are bladder inflammations that can occur. So urologists need to be on board. Cardiologists as well. There's tons of palpitations. So the first problem is our testing system is not accurate. It's not specific enough. There was a huge problem with the initial immunization with the Lymerix vaccine, which actually injected part of the Lyme itself into people. They got really, really sick. So that ended up getting pulled off the market. Currently, there is an entity, I think it's more of an entrepreneurial company that is in Boston, Massachusetts. They are working on a new test for identifying Lyme, and they asked me to call them, and I will find out a little bit more about that and be able to put it on um, my website once I find out more about it, uh, as well as there is going to be a local news segment on a research uh, physician that is trying to develop another type of vaccine. My concern is how do you vaccinate against over 100, possibly even more strains and protect the person? It's, it's almost impossible. So I would say the answer to that question in a long roundabout way is that it, we're not where we need to be. It's, it's, the infection of Lyme is endemic at the Cape. And if you look at a map, you call it up on Google, and you'll see that the entire Northeast is socked in. And just about every tick, at least half, are infected, as well as they carry co-infections, which are Bartonella, Babesia, uh, Ehrlichiosis. These are all other infections that you can get on top of having Lyme disease. 
So we're kind of in a really tough situation right here. Well, and then for you who will be monitoring and reporting to the public on the developments as they uh, unfold, uh, as treatments and diagnostic processes become better, uh, you'll you'll position yourself well to be uh, informing your listeners uh, through your podcast, which I'll mention again is Living with Lyme. And tell us what website folks should go to to learn more about the work you're doing. Sure, uh, you referenced sure. it while you were talking it's, a moment ago. Yeah. It's livingwithlyme.us, like us, uh, US. The .com has already been taken and they want uh, several thousands of dollars for me to buy it from them. So we figured, you know what, I know people are going to go to the .com and there's nothing written there. So we're trying to get the word out that there's a whole other URL out there. Yeah. And it's .us. Yeah, and the podcast will and, help as well. You'll be on iTunes, you'll be on Stitcher and all the other rest, and that'll really help exactly. as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. Exactly. It's good stuff. And Google Play. Google Play. And um, my producer, uh, Doug Foresta, who I... I understand you guys are good friends. He's been instrumental in in helping me. He's got a great personality, and we've had a lot of fun. And in fact, he's I've had I've had a few guests that we've recorded from a person who's extremely ill with Lyme and really not getting anywhere with all the treatment that she's had, as well as a wonderful holistic nutritionist. And he's like, oh, I'm so excited. I got to hear all that information again. Because, you, you know, you can put all this stuff into practice for a good, healthy lifestyle. So it, it's, it's going to be good. I have an ecologist that's coming on board. I have a, a veterinarian who's going to talk about why we have an insurgence of this. Everybody thinks ticks are infected. That's not the case. It's the animals that are infected. And when the ticks feed off of them, that's how they get infected. But my question is, why are we not putting any emphasis, trying to find out how we can eradicate, eradicate, excuse me, eradicate this tick population? What can we do? And why aren't these deer and other animals dragging a limb? Uh, Why are they not sick? There's got to be a hidden something really very informative if we were to study these animals and find out if we can transcend some of that information into human beings. Yeah, yeah, to better isolate all the different strains. I wanted to ask, I know you have your own story and you had your own set of symptoms, but does the strain of Lyme correlate to the spectrum of symptoms directly or is it more chaotic than that? I don't think they have a good picture of that yet. They are identifying strains, but remember, the standard tests are only testing for one of the strains, which is the Borrelia burgdorferi. That's close enough. Say that fast Um, three times, yeah. So they're only testing for one, which is really quite amazing. Right, because more and more are being found. I think someone in Japan just identified 101. However, in my reading, someone said that there were 300. So I'm not sure, you know, and it it is a problem all around the world. My youngest daughter was in Germany for a business trip and her and the group of people that they were with took a hike. And about, I would say maybe within a month, maybe two months, she started with acute fatigue. Now I, I know this fatigue and it is 
debilitating fatigue. And mm. then it started. Her symptoms mirrored mine. Now, mm. whether it's a genetic thing, right. maybe, but it was the wrist pain, the hand swelling. And I, I knew right away, uh-oh, we got a problem here. Right. Okay, we got her treated as soon as we could. And although she's had like some ups and downs, probably close to almost a year of treatment. And, you know, the more information I learn is that antibiotics are not necessarily the best thing for Lyme. And the mm-hmm. more holistic people out there that do homeopathy, natural ways to enhance the immune system and get that to fight it is probably the better thing. So, you know, I'm encouraging her to, you know, tie this all up, end it all, and let's get on to another method to keep you healthy. Cindy Kennedy is our guest. She's uh, the podcaster with a podcast called Living with Lyme, and uh, that's launching soon, right? Uh, It's launching shortly. I am. I can't wait. We have three recordings down pat. We have the webmaster doing his work, and I have a... um, more of a graphic artist trying to help me make something pretty out of it, you know, because I don't want it just formatted as a sort of business. I want it to be something that people will actually look at and they find it intriguing. So we're working on that too. And I'm really fortunate. I I have four sponsors already, which I understand is not usual, but I have a few friends with some small businesses and they've seen and been part of what the heck has been going on with me. And, you know, they're going to help me out with this. So I'm just hoping this is the beginning of something that we can really, really send that message out. Get more people involved. Education is power. Exactly. Of course, we're talking about Lyme disease. You know, I wanted to ask, you had Lyme disease yourself, which is really I'll say the why you got involved uh, about with this at all. What's it like to have Lyme disease? What was it like for you? Well, the was is a problem because it's an is. I will probably always have Lyme disease, and ah. that is because of the, yes, because if you can get Lyme disease initially, say you, you had a tick on you and you took it off and then you developed a nice bullseye, which less than 25% of the people do, then you might be able to get it quick. And, you know, with some antibiotics, as well as your immune system not being altered, that's what the biggest problem is. It gets in and alters your immune system. And that's why it goes haywire. But for me, it started out with an actual sleep disturbance. I found out later, actually more recently, that the Lyme actually inhibits your production of melatonin, and melatonin is important for sleep. So that became a problem. Then the exhaustion, then the flu symptoms, then the joint pain, my elbow, my both wrists, my hands swelled, headaches, horrible headaches, night sweats. Then I went on to get bladder symptoms and GI symptoms and then cardiac symptoms. So it, it kind of has been a progression. And what I have learned as I've gone on, because, you know, you think you're savvy as a healthcare provider. Yeah. Well, it, it's you don't learn this stuff. So as, you know, time went on, I've learned a lot more. I've learned more about, you know, improving my immune system 
And it also goes to show that your old viruses, like if you've had mono, that's called Epstein-Barr. If you've had that, you harbor that in your body, just like chicken pox. And that's where shingles come from after the fact, if your immune system kind of plummets a little bit. Same thing with the Epstein-Barr virus. I was getting such flu symptoms. I'd have a sore throat for an hour, then it would go away. Then I would have swollen glands for a day or two, and that would go away. But hmm. it allows those viruses to come to the surface and give you all of these symptoms. So even yeah. now, now that I've done a year and a half of antibiotics, I did about three months of IV antibiotics. Whoa. And okay. yeah, I just, I had such a reaction to one of them that that landed me in the hospital. And I said, okay, I just felt like that's it. I can no longer do this. I got to find something else. And it, I had to work very hard. Is Lyme disease an autoimmune disorder or you're just talking about a drop in your immune system's capacity to fight it? That's exactly what happens because it invades your white blood cell, a particular type of white blood cell, because we have different types, B cells and T cells. And without getting too far into it, you can think about HIV. Um, Lyme disease is surpassing the amount of HIV and breast cancer combined. But as with HIV, we do know that it actually ruins your immune system by attacking and depleting your white cells. Lyme is very similar to that. It actually does latch on and destroy your white cell production. So now your immune system starts to say, oh my God, I got to get on hyper alert. Mm -hmm. And it is not effective. It is just not effective with protecting you. And yes, in terms of autoimmune, it can trigger autoimmune issues like thyroid. My, my thyroid was fine until I had Lyme for several years and then all of a sudden it's not functioning. So there is a very big correlation with so many problems that we're not even sure of. I know of people who have been diagnosed with MS. There are lesions on an MRI in the brain. Um, but you know what? It They've had Lyme disease before, been diagnosed, and you know doctors think, well, if you get your three weeks of antibiotics, you're cured. That is not it. And I know of a couple of people they're going, you know, straight forward to all of this immune suppression to assist with some of these added diseases like MS. And it's, uh, it's a problem because it's really the underlying factor is it probably is still the Lyme. And no one right now identifies those in terms of the neurology area. And if you say you have chronic Lyme disease, you're going to get a paragraph about, oh, your line was treated, so you're done. You're just having effects of getting older. I wanted to spend a few minutes as we uh, close out this segment, Cindy Kennedy, on sure. the uh, spend a few minutes on the subject of essential oils and the coaching that you're working on. What are essential oils and uh, how do they help us with our health? Essential oils are as old as King Tut. You're going to find that if you read anything about that era, there were oils found in his tomb. And they are developed from plants. They uh, either are cold 
um, pressed or steam distilled, and they have a lot of medicinal uh, purposes. And the company that I'm working with has all the research to back that. So there are singles, like everybody loves lavender, and there are wonderful ones that um, the company has signifies, signified as ingestible, and you can cook with it. You can produce also um, body care products. And the point mm-hmm. is it is free from pesticides. It's organic. It is not going to cause your body to have to detoxify things. All this stuff that we put in our mouths or on our body forces our liver and our kidneys have to get rid of these toxins. There are blends. You can either, some you ingest, some you diffuse into the air with a cool humidifier kind Mm -hmm, of thing. mm -hmm. You also can apply them topically. And we look at vital points that are located on your hands and your feet. And these uh, products are a great way to help your immune system as well as it's just wonderful aromas because burning candles, we now know, releases petroleum in the air. And that's just not a good thing to be inhaling. Yeah, exactly. Wow, so fascinating. So for more information about the work you are doing, we can visit livingwithlime.us. That's the website. Look for uh, Cindy Kennedy's podcast, Living With Lime, coming out very soon on iTunes and all of the other suspects uh, where podcasts can be found. Thank you for the work you're doing around uh, total health and, of course, Lyme disease specifically, getting the word out to uh, all of us uh, here in the continental U.S. Of course, this is concentrated in the Northeast. I've heard you say that, and I think that's just widely known, right? Like we wouldn't find it out here where I am. How about on the West Coast? Is there anything on the West Coast? Yeah, there's some there. Uh, There's some gathering to the uh, middle of the country, and we're wondering how that happens. But we we do Mm. know that patterns of birds, et cetera, they're migrating in different areas. And with global warming, they're going to areas they may not have gone before, or people are traveling. They've gone cross-country. They have dogs. They bring a tick to a new area, et cetera. So there's ways for it to migrate. There isn't a country that is not affected, even though you're going to find that a country might say, we don't have Lyme here. Well, they probably do. Well, it's kind of part of the relative ignorance about the disease, how it works, where it is, how many strains there are, and how to better diagnose. Cindy, thanks so much uh, for the work you're doing and uh, for joining us on the program. Oh, thank you, David, for having me. I really, really enjoyed this. This is a great way for me to get the word out and to get people interested to band together so that we can get this a recognized illness and get it treated better. Absolutely. Once again, that's www.livingwithlime.us. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Cindy. Small Biz. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.